0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Monday, March the 27th, 2023. It is currently 8.34 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And it has been a day of extreme contrast here in this studio. Extreme contrast. Let me explain. I started my day by doing a live broadcast that was connected to our Bible study exercise. Many of you know for the Bible study exercise, we've been working on the Gospel of John. And, and working on the Gospel of John, we found ourselves looking at this idea that in the Gospel of John, you have seven signs, these miracles that Jesus did that served as signs, seven signs, and then you also have the seven I am statements. So we've been doing a little work on that. So this morning, afternoon, I think it was right at noon, I turned on the microphone, we went live, and I told everyone about a Bible reading plan about the seven signs, the seven I am statements, but also connecting it to miracles that Elijah and Elisha did thinking it would be a something that you could spend the next seven days working on. Hopefully people have found that Bible reading plan, already started working on it, already started thinking about it, started meditating on it. We had a little technical difficulty in the middle of that broadcast, but I, I thought, okay, that's a good way to start the day. Um, I'm getting people this Bible reading plan. I, I, I can already start thinking of some things I want to do about it, some, th- some broadcast I want to do. Maybe it will show up in preaching and all of that. When that broadcast was over, I wasn't super happy with it because I wasn't able to really dig into any teaching, right? But you know, I thought it was okay. We had the little technical difficulty. I wasn't really happy how I read uh, the the passages in in I think First and Second Kings, but okay, you know, it is what it is. You're done. So as soon as that broadcast was over, I was sitting here and I looked over and and I talked about this this morning or this afternoon, I should say. I saw the devotional book that I've told everyone about called Know Him, a year of daily Bible readings on the character of God. And I looked at the page for March the 27th, which is God's generous provision. And the scripture was Psalm 104, verses 14 through 16, which the way it reads here in uh, this uh, book, Know Him, is, again, Psalm 104, verses 14 through 16, and it reads like this. Speaking of God, he makes grass grow for the cattle, he plants for people to cultivate, and plants for people to cultivate. Let me read it again. He makes grass grow for the cattle, and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. The tree of the Lord the trees of the Lord are well watered the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. All right? Dealing with God's provision. So what I did is then I did I decided to do a another live broadcast focusing on Psalm 104. Psalm 104. Not just those verses but on the psalm in general. And we read some more, and I'll just read some different um, verses from Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul, o, my, o Lord my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with honor and majesty. The end of Psalm 104 the glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looketh on the earth, and it trembleth. He toucheth the hills, and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord. As long as I live, I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. And the whole psalm deals with God as creator, but it also deals with God really as provider. So I did an episode about provider or creator and and we, I, I challenged, How should we interpret Psalm 104? I told everyone to meditate on it, and I and I dealt with some of the issues. Because in Psalm 104, you have God as Creator, His power, He's provider. He He provides all of these wonderful things, food and water, and He sustains. He does all of these great things. And then I read to everyone's statistics about how many children die every single day from starvation. About every. I think it was every like 10 seconds, a child dies of starvation. It's, it's like a horrible statistic. Um, how many millions of people die every year from starvation? All of these numbers, horrible statistics. And I'm like, how do we struggle with God as creator and, and sustainer and provider, yet people dying of starvation? And I raised some very difficult questions about that. It was a little bit uncomfortable, but we have this beautiful psalm about praising God. I mean, again, hear those words. Hear those words. And and I and again, the the goal today was to get everyone to meditate on Psalm 104 and people to email me about it. I haven't received any emails about people's meditation on Psalm 104 today because a lot of times that happens when I'm say when I give everyone a Bible passage and say, "Hey, meditate on this." A lot of times I don't get feedback, but hopefully people are meditating on it. But let me read those words again at the end of Psalm 104. "The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looketh on the earth and it trembleth. He toucheth the hills and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Now I I was very, you know, real and and acknowledged the struggles with some of this psalm and how we reconcile it with the realities of this world. Because the reality, realities of this world are painful and horrible. And how do we figure that out? So that, that ended my live broadcast. I was like, well, there's some other things I need to broadcast on later in the day or this evening. I'm like, I'll figure out how I want to approach that. But then I decided to, to go downstairs and, and start trying to do different things for my day and all the different things I was interested in doing some things I'm excited about some things that, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus. As much as I was struggling with some of those deep concepts, I I knew I was going to go downstairs and I was going to eat and I was going to, you know, go on with my day, even though I was struggling with this, but I'm like, okay, make sure I at least focus on Psalm 104, you know, at, at every opportunity. So I would look at Psalm 104 here or there, but I don't know exactly how long I'd been downstairs. I, I would have to try to figure out the exact time stamp. But I'd been up downstairs for just a little while. And then all of a sudden, I saw this horrific picture. I didn't understand exactly what what was happening. Horrific. Now, I, it, it, it wasn't horrific immediately when I saw it because I didn't understand it. It was sad at the beginning. But at, after I realized everything that was unfolding in real time in the world, while I was doing live broadcasts, meditating on Psalm 104, thinking about the seven signs in the Gospel of John and thinking about all of the things I was focusing on. There was a, a tragedy unfolding. At the time, I didn't know. I just saw this picture. And it's this little girl sitting on a bus. Clearly, she's crying. She's traumatized. It's a school bus. She's got her hand open, point, uh, touching the window. You know, and she's crying, and I'm like, "What? What is going on?" She's crying. What? What's? Well, I wonder what happened. And underneath it, it says Metropolitan Nashville. I'm like, "Okay, so something. Why is this girl crying in Nashville? This looks like a little girl, like goes to elementary school." I'm like, "I don't know what's happening." I'm like, "What? What is going on?" So I'm like, "Okay, let me let me try to figure this out." So I started trying to figure it out, and well, this is what happened today in Nashville. Good evening and welcome to the News Hour. As we come on the air, we're tracking developments in two major stories. Americans witnessing the horror of another mass shooting, a deadly assault on a school. And Israelis witnessing a day unlike any before it, an upheaval that paralyzed the country. First, to the attack in Tennessee's capital city that left the shooter and six people dead, including three children at a church-run school. Now, six people are dead, three children. Three children went to school, and those three children will never go back home. There are parents tonight. I don't know if they look at their children's bedroom. I don't know if they see their children's stuff laying around the house. But their children are never walking back through the front door. Their children are never sitting at the dinner table. Their children are not sitting on the couch to watch a show with them. Their children are not playing with their toys. Their children won't be in the backyard. Those children won't be petting the dog. Those children are gone. They went to school and to be shot and killed. Another shooting, and more dead children. let's listen to a little bit more of this report. I'm going to take a little bit of it apart as we go through. Unlike any before it, an upheaval that paralyzed the country. First to the attack in Tennessee's capital city that left the shooter and six people dead, including three children at a church-run school. The police chief said he was moved to tears by the tragedy. Stephanie Sy begins our coverage. Please note it was a church-run school. Sending your children to a church-run school. No guarantees. A church-run school doesn't possess some greater protection than a public school. Tragedy can strike. The public school tragedy can strike. A church school tragedy can strike. A Christian home, a non-Christian home. Tragedy can strike anywhere any time in this world. Now, the stark contrast is seeing that image of that little girl in the school bus. Well, I'm thinking the glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looketh on the earth and it trembleth. He toucheth the hills and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. And I'm just going to be honest with you. The contrast to that tonight is extremely stark and it is extremely hard. I'm reading this great psalm of God's, cre- he's creator, he has power, he can provide, he can sustain, and yet three children died. Now, listen, there were three adults who died as well, who their families don't have them coming home tonight. They're not sitting on the couch, they're not at the dinner table. So let's let's get to the report. In a scene that has become all too familiar in this country, first responders in Nashville, Tennessee this morning rushed to respond to reports of an active school shooter, this time at the Covenant School, a private Christian elementary school of about 200 students. Tennessee police initially said a female suspect entered the school and killed three children and three staff members before being shot and killed by responding officers. The children were identified as Evelyn Dickhouse. Hallie Scruggs, and William Kinney. And the adult victims, all in their 60s, were named Cynthia Peake, Katherine Kuntz, and Mike Hill. The shooter was later identified as Audrey Hale, transgender, 28 years old, and a former student at the school. Now, there's a lot right here to take take apart. And we could listen to more of the reports. The reports are everywhere. My podcast my podcast feeds, it's just one after another, 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 after another. I've talked to, you know, my daughter has called me multiple times about it. Uh, we've We've talked on the phone. She's texted me. She's sent me information. We've had, you know, ongoing discussions about it. But here's the reality of what's going to take place. Those names, no one's probably going to even remember those names come tomorrow. Everyone's going to move on. That's a reality. But here's what's about to happen. And in fact, it's already started. I started reading comments under news articles and looking around. Here, we, you can you can just write this down because every time a mass shooting happens, mass shooting happens, and instantaneously on social media and in comments under news articles, and you start listening to people talk, here's the narrative and how it's going to go. Number one, you're going to have those saying, we need more guns. We need more guns. Give people more guns. The way to stop shootings is to give people more guns. I guess send elementary kids to school with guns. Give everyone guns. Give teachers guns. Give everyone guns. Everyone get a gun because, you know, the best thing to do with people with a depraved, sinful nature is to arm them to the teeth. That's the way. That's the way to do so. Arm them. Just arm, arm, arm. Guns, 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 guns. You got a depraved nature. Here's three guns. You have a depraved nature. Here's four guns. You have a depraved nature. Here's six guns and 500 rounds of ammunition. That's the way. Okay, so that's obviously one solution. Everyone will be screaming more guns, more guns, more guns. The second part of the narrative, so some will be screaming more guns, others will be like, my rights, what about my rights, what about my rights, you cannot mess with my right to bear arms, it's my rights, my rights, my rights, my rights, it's the Constitution, and and they will focus on their rights. Dead children, hey, 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 that's horrible, but don't mess with my rights, they're not willing to sacrifice their rights, if it could possibly, even theoretically could possibly save a life because why would you want to do that? Why would you want to give up your rights to possibly? No, 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 no. You're like my rights, my rights. So, uh, you know, it's like, here's what happens. Dead children. And many cases it's pro-life people who will be like more guns, my rights. The third thing that will happen, well, then you'll get this idea: less guns. We need to, we take away all the guns. We take away all the guns. That will fix the problem. So you have more guns, my rights, less guns, less guns. We need to take away less guns. Next, another part, another thing will go up. Take away rights, take away rights. Change the constitution, get rid of the constitution. Whatever we got to do, take away rights. So you'll either have the, you're, and this literally, it plays out. I mean, if you could go to Vegas and put money on this, you would, you would be rich. And I, and I say that not in a joking way. I say that in a sad, serious way. You're going to have the people screaming more guns. You're going to have the people screaming my rights. You're going to have the people screaming less guns. You're going to have the people screaming takeaway rights. But this shooting, oh boy, we have a new part of the narrative because the shooter was transgender, it appears, it appears, or at least they, they uh, were going with different pronouns. So everyone's going to, transgender, 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 and and I've already seen it showing up on some Christian sites and some conservative sites. This person was transgender, like that changes everything. I, I don't know if you realize this, but plenty of school shootings have been carried out by people who aren't transgender, by people who are very straight, by people who are not homosexual. I don't know why the the uh, gender identity or sexual preference of the individual becomes an issue. Now, if it's somehow tied to the shooting, then by all means, it needs to be discussed. But everyone's going to be focusing on that. So that that's where... So we're gonna get more guns, more guns, more guns. We're gonna get my rights, my rights, my rights. We're gonna get less guns, less guns, less guns. We're gonna be take-away rights, take-away rights, and we're gonna get transgender, transgender, transgender. Tra- this is the problem, and then we know what we're gonna get. We know we're gonna get this. You can go ahead and write it down. I've got this written down in my journal. As soon as I saw the shooting, I grabbed my journal and just, this is what I wrote. I wrote down more guns, my rights, less guns, take take-away rights, transgender, as soon as I found out that the shooter was possibly transgender, and then I put, you know you're going to go to this one, thoughts and prayers. Now, you can probably go all over the internet and find this narrative being played out. Now, in fact, I wrote it. I wrote it in my journal. Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts... Th- thoughts and pr- what are the thoughts going to do? And I don't know. Look, Christians, at some point, you're going to have to realize this. We keep saying thoughts and prayers and shootings keep happening and people keep dying. So clearly those who are not Christian are like, you know what? Just shut up because it's not working. And Christians get offended by that. But what do you expect them to say? And and you know what? Everyone's going to argue and 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 scream at each other. and scream. Nobody's going to listen to each other. And then guess what? We'll wake up tomorrow. One, two, three days. Everyone's going to move on until the next shooting, until the next shooting, until the next, or people are going to go like, what about this? Or what about, it's going to turn it. I forgot the what about thing that will happen. The what about, what about this? And what about that? You can add a couple of other things to it, but this is the narrative that I typically see. Shooting occurs, someone's going to yell more guns, someone's going to yell about my rights, someone's going to say take less guns, someone's going to say take away rights, and in this particular case, transgender is going to be spoken of over and over and over again. It's going to be emphasized, depending on which news agency you listen to, and then it's going to be thoughts and prayers, our thoughts and prayers, our thoughts and prayers, Our thoughts and prayers go to the family of those who lost a loved one. Well, that thoughts and prayers are not going to bring back their loved one. The charismatics are not going to show up and resurrect anyone from the dead, even though they make all of their nonsensical claims. No, it's just there'll be funerals. There'll be some memorials. There'll be some tears and then everyone will just move on. In fact, the fact that it was only six people, probably I'm surprised that even maybe just because of the age of the children, I'm surprised it even made that much of news coverage because typically people are like, ah, yeah, you know, move on. We become almost jaded and dead to it. Now, this is the difficult part of living in a world that we live in and believing what we believe. We believe that there is a sovereign God who's all-knowing, who is all-powerful, and who is present everywhere at all times. The very God who created this world— knew that these kids on this day in March would die because of a shooting. And all the other tragedies have taken place. And we know that time and time again, he does not intervene to protect, to stop. Now, you say that Christians get mad. Christians get offended, offended. They get defensive. You can get offended all you want, but it's just, these are the, this is, this causes people to struggle with their faith. And the contrast is startling. I'm looking at this picture of this little girl totally traumatized. Now now that picture of that little girl on the school bus is completely traumatizing. She's being pulled away from the scene on the school bus. I don't know if her parents are outside the window, I don't know who's outside the window. She's got her hands there and she is crying. I mean, she's traumatized. Probably will never be the same for the rest of same for the rest of her life. And so while all of this is playing out, six people dead, the shooter was shot and killed by police. All and while that narrative is playing out where everyone is yelling You know, more guns, less guns, my rights, no rights, transgender. Well, all of that is going, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Everyone's doing all of this nonsense. The contrast for me is sitting here in this studio. Because I've had my Bible over to my left open all day to Psalm 104. I wanted to be working on, you know, 1st and 2nd Kings, Elijah, Elisha, the seven signs of Jesus. Okay, I wanted to be doing work on that, but for some reason, Psalm 104 just struck me. Just for some weird reason, it that, it, just, it just hit me today. So here I sit tonight. Bless the Lord, O my soul, o, o Lord, my God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord, my God. Thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Who coverest thyself with light as with a garment, who stretcheth stretchest out the heavens like a curtain, who layeth the beams of his chambers and the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind. I mean this, this is his power, his greatness, his transcendence, his greatness over creation, his creative power. And yes, we are to bless the Lord. Yes, we are to we we are we have to understand that He is very great. Thou cover thou uh, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. Thou cover coverest it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains, and at thy rebuke, they fled at the voice of thy thunder they hasted away. God literally could just speak and the water would flee away, move away. And look at this. Um, they go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast uh, founded for them. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over. They may not turn that they turn not again to cover the earth. God literally controls that the waters will never cover the earth again. He literally controls that. It's his control over creation. This is his sovereignty. This is his power. This is his glory. This is his majesty. And I, I'm just going to be honest with you. There's a part of me going, God, could you not have not used a little bit of that power, a little bit of that sovereignty, a little bit of that glory, a little bit of that control to spare three little kids their lives today? Now, of course, while those children were being shot to death, other children were starving to death. Now, I know in a theology podcast, you're not supposed to say these things. You're not supposed to do these things. But I, I, look, I'm, not, I'm tired of playing that narrative. Everyone else wants to go around and they're going to yell, more guns, less guns. Everyone's just going to go take their political stance and yell and scream at each other. Go do that. In the meantime, people are dying. I'm, I'm trying to understand. First of all, you said, someone said, what's the solution? There isn't any solution because we live in a fallen world where people have been dying and being murdered and killed and molested and raped since the fall. This, this is the world that for, for some reason, the eternal sovereign God created a world knowing this is how it was going to play out. I will never understand it. I will never be able to wrap my mind around it. I will never be able to conceive it. I will never be able to figure it out. Never, not, not, I I can live a million years studying theology. All the years I've studied it. I'm still, I'm basically like Job. I don't have any answers. And God's not giving me any answers. Just like he didn't give Job any answers. All, All I can hear from God is, well, where were you when I did this and this and this? Oh yeah, I'm the creator. You're not. So I can do as I please. I understand that's the way it is. I don't like it. Now for some that causes them to abandon it completely. Well then, I don't want that god. I don't I don't want to believe in a god. Well, don't believe in a god, but you're still in a world with all the pain, suffering and death and now you have absolutely Like what what you you still are left with the same problems, you just even have less answers. In fact, then you're even uh, then what is the basis for your ability to say something is wrong or good or bad? Now, now morality is subjective at least i can objectively say it was evil to have those the, who have the shooter coming in there and killing those people that was evil that was morally wrong at all times no matter what changes in society at least i have a moral basis to condemn it i'm not saying that makes me feel better but i can understand that i just don't know why this would happen i don't know again why so many children would die to, uh, every single day from starvation every What is it, every nine seconds, every 10 seconds? How many children die? One child dies, I think, every nine or 10 seconds. I'd have to look up the statistic. But it's horrifying. It's horrible. So I'm sitting here, and I'm I'm supposed to say, bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Now, here's here's the difficult part. God deserves to be praised. God is great. God is clothed in majesty and honor. And he deserves that honor and reverence because he's God. Even though my circumstances right now says, I have a hard time. At the end of the Psalm, the glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. Well, God is glorious no matter what circumstances say. I don't know how he rejoices over his works considering where things are, but I think it's, re- preferring, it's referring mainly to his creation, but what? while well, we are his creation, he looketh on the earth and it trembleth, he toucheth the hills and they smoke. Once again, just demonstrating complete sovereign power. And then I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. I'm having a hard time trying to sing praises to God tonight. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. I'm having a hard time meditating and I'm having a hard time being glad. And what I have to remind myself is what is true of God is true of God. And it's irrelevant. What, what uh, how can I say this? What is true of God is true of God, and nothing changes that truth. No circumstance, no tragedy, no pain, whether I get what I want, don't get what I want, whether I suffer, whether I'm abused, no matter what happens to me, doesn't change the truth of who God is. He is still holy, righteous, just, loving. Mer- those attributes of God are never changing, no matter what my circumstances say. What is true of God is true of God, irregardless of circumstance. That is the hardest theological truth to comprehend sometimes. I don't I don't I don't view, I don't declare, I put it this way, I don't draw a conclusion about God's attributes based off what I experience. I draw the conclusion about God's attributes on what he has revealed him to of himself in his word. See, we we typically would draw the conclusion about someone's character and someone's attributes by what they do and what they don't do. That's how we draw conclusions about character and attributes. But in this particular case, we, de- we, declare, we draw conclusions about God's character and attributes based on what is declared of him in his word. Now, non-Christians think that that's utterly absurd and crazy. They're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to judge who God is based on what happens. But that, that, theologically, it doesn't work that way. Job figured that out, Right. What is true of God is true of God, irregardless of circumstances. That's that's hard to comprehend. My praise of him, my my thanksgiving of him is not based on my situation. I, I praise God for his character, which doesn't change based off my circumstance. And I always have something to thank God for for sending Jesus Christ, for salvation, for adopting me into the family of God, for forgiving of my sins. I I, I don't know how to process tonight. I can't, just, just for a moment tonight, just imagine you're in one of those homes, six people gone. Just imagine you're in one of those homes. Maybe one of the adults. Imagine it was your husband or your wife or relative, father, mother. They're gone. Imagine that was one of your children. They're gone. The life of faith is a life that is lived in contradiction to the reality in which we see. The life of faith is a life lived in contradiction and 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 it, it is in just straight contradiction to the life that we live, the the life we see, the life we experience. Because it's it what we, we, we I mean that's the beautiful. Th- Again, that's a beautiful. I keep going to the book of Job because the book of Job to me is so messed up. But in some ways, I, I'm glad it's so messed up because it gives me a more realistic view of how things work. God set everything up, God was in control of that entire thing. And Job so, a lot of people look well, well, Job got everything back. He didn't get his original kids who died back. Okay, so no, he didn't get everything back. Those children died. But uh you look at that story. I love how Job is like God gives, God takes away. He knows God was involved in this. He doesn't. He doesn't blame it on. He doesn't blame it on Satan. He blames it on. He knows God is the one who gives. God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is a beautiful, a beautiful passage. In fact, let me just open up to the Book of Job. And 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 that's it's a life of faith because anything a life not of faith would not would not respond that way. All right. Uh, after all of these things have happened, look what Job does. Job 1, verse 20, all of this, this death and destruction and all of this happened, right? I mean, oh, just Job 1, was it at verse 19? Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on the young people so that they died. And I alone have escaped to tell, right? It's his sons and daughters. He loses all of his sons and daughters in an instant. Boom. And then Job stood up, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and worshipped. And worshipped. Can you fall to the ground today? Could you fall to the ground tonight and worship God if it was your child who was killed? If your child just starved to death. And look what he says. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. That is a life of faith. A life of faith is lived in contradiction to the to what we see, what we experience. Now, Job wants answers, and he, he comes to God thinking he's going to get answers, and he's not met with answers, he's met with questions. And then Job finally is like, that's it, okay. I got to be... The book of Job is so powerful in that aspect because it's the life that we, I don't understand how I read Psalm 104 tonight. How do I read Psalm 104 tonight? Like you put on the news of the shooting and then read Psalm 104. Put on the news of what's happening in Ukraine while you read Psalm 104. Put on the news about how many children starved to death today. How many children died today of some terminal disease? How many people died today of cancer? How many people died today of of, because of a drunk driver? How many people died today because of some other criminal activity or some other disease, heart attack, whatever the case may be? And then read Psalm 104. How many people died because of of tornadoes? Right? We had, what, 26 people die because of tornadoes just the other night? It's easy to be so sanctimonious and spiritual and godly when when you're sitting on a pew on a Sunday and you got your your husband and your two kids and and life is wonderful and great and you all look nice and all dressed for church and afterwards you go into the buffet and everything's wonderful and the, how are you doing praise God doing better than I deserve and everyone's happy and you and you drive up in your driveway at your house with the white picket fence and the dog looking out the window and and there's flowers there and and the birds are singing and everything's wonderful but when everything falls. Apart, your child is dead, the house is burned down, your husband has left you, it's, it's your life is in shambles. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All of a sudden it's different. You're not, it, it doesn't might take much to live a life of faith when everything goes the right way. It requires living a life of faith is a life lived in contrast to the reality that almost screams that your faith is not real, God is not there, and you should just give up. no matter how difficult it may be tonight, I challenge you. Because we kind of just, this is, we stumbled on this. Just, just, just stay in Psalm 104 tonight. Just, just, just read Psalm 104. Just stay in it. I, I don't, I don't know why that kind of, this is just the way the day has kind of happened. Like, like we, we really need, I, I still want you working on Elijah, Eli, Elijah, Elisha, and Jesus signs, I am statements. I still want you working on that. But just to, Psalm 104, Psalm 104. And I know, I look, tonight for me, there, there's lots of things going on tonight that, that now in the big scheme of things doesn't mean anything. Tonight, the, the new uh, Apple Music classical app is being dropped, an app dedicated to classical music. Oh, I can't wait to see it and mess with it tonight because I have a long history with my connection with, how it came about in the company. I could go through all my connection, being a beta tester, getting interviewed, and all of the the parts I played and and all of it. But I, I, I'm so excited about it tonight. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see how it works. So I'm excited about that tonight. But I know tonight I'm going to force myself, even though there's a part of me that I don't really want to hear hymns. I don't want to hear songs of praise because, because I'm, I'm bothered by all of this. But I know tonight I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I got these apps ready to go. I'm going to have BBN, Bible Broadcasting Network. I'm going to have Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm going to have Family Radio, um, Pilgrim Radio. I'm going to have four or five of the fundamental broadcasting network, these very conservative, conservative radio stations. I'm gonna have them ready. And tonight, whenever I decide to lay down, I don't know when that will be, I'm gonna to listen to I'm gonna listen to them play hymns, give devotional thoughts, and read scripture tonight. Even though there's a part of me that every hymn I hear and every scripture I hear, I'm gonna be I'm gonna struggle. But I'm gonna to try to force myself to hear that which pertains to faith because it's a contradiction of the reality that I see around me. I can't deny the reality. Faith is not denying the reality. Faith is living a life that contradicts the reality. It doesn't deny the reality. It doesn't pretend that the reality is there. It doesn't come up with excuses to explain away the reality or to somehow remove God's involvement in said reality. All right, you can email me your thoughts tonight. Maybe, maybe none of this bothers you. Maybe you're maybe you're good to go. And some people say, "Well, what should I do? Well, should I pray? Oh, look, by all means, we can always pray. We can we you can we can cry out to God our pain and our understanding. We can cry out that God will show mercy somehow. We can. I'm 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 not going to be telling everyone, hey, uh, thoughts and prayers, because it comes across so just uh, it comes across to me so cold and unloving for the people who are struggling with these questions that I'm raising. We can always, but we don't have to tell everyone. We don't have to hop on Twitter to say thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayer. What does that even mean? It doesn't even mean anything in many cases. It's just, it, no, if you pray, yes, you can pray. But the main thing is, let, let's, can, can we do Psalm 104 tonight? Just meditate on a life of faith. Is a life that contradicts the reality, which we cannot deny. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. We'd love to get your thoughts and your feelings. Feel free to just, you don't even have to, you don't even have to explain anything in an email. You can just pour out your. If you're having emotions about this, and you got no one to listen to you, just you just email me. It doesn't have to be structured in a normal email. Just pour out your thoughts. I won't and I, and I, I won't I won't share them. I won't, I won't. You can just if you need someone to just sh- just scream out your pain to. If you're now maybe you're not you. Some of you are just shrugging your shoulders, going, "I don't know what the big deal is." Okay. Well, that that yeah, I know. I know typically can't stand when christians sometimes do that but i understand if that's the way you are i'm sorry this obviously i I take these things way too personal and maybe i get way too emotional about them but this stuff bothers me i struggle with this i i struggle with the reality of faith versus the reality of experience i struggled with this understanding all the things i went through as a child losing my mom losing my dad all the things i've gone through i've constantly like i don't understand i don't understand Newsif at yahoo.com, dot com. Newsif at yahoo.com, dot com. That's newsif at yahoo.com, dot com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right. Thanks for listening. Psalm one hundred four. God bless.